1: Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal,
0: here's the Lone Star
1: Varsity Podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Alexis Cubitt, the high school sports writer at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. As always, joined by Ryan King, KLBK Sports Director. Hard to believe we're in week 10. It's uh, been a very interesting road. It feels like it's been forever and a short amount of time, all at the same time. Um, Definitely another busy week of action this past week with some good games. Um, First one, obviously, was the one that we talked about last week. Lovett Christian going to Trinity Christian just a little bit down the road, um, knowing how that game kind of went last year. Ryan, you were at that game. What was that like? Obviously, Lubbock Christian got the win again, but didn't seem like it was as much of a nail-biter this year.
2: Well, early on, it, it was honestly very similar to last year. Trinity Christian scored first, 6-0. Um, and then they – I can't remember if they went for – I think they missed – they got the extra point blocked is what happened. Okay. Um, And so it was like, okay. But And Lubbock Christian did not score on their first possession. It's like, oh, wow, this is – Kind of shaping up like last year, and it was like last year um, where Love Christian ended up winning. But the problem was for the Trinity offense, that's all they did. Now they did, they picked off Alex Lack twice and forced a fumble. Three first half turnovers from Alex Lack, which that does not happen. And they scored their first touchdown on one of the turnovers. The other two, they did nothing with it. Um, And that, that was a problem. Defense was honestly holding up. It was only 12 to six at the half Mm -hmm. with three forced turnovers. Like the defense was doing their part. Um, But in the second half was not there for that. It was only there in the first, but it just looked, they just started getting it. They were just clicking at that point. And coach softly, you could tell he's a pretty even keel, very pleasant man. He was not happy in the first half. You could (laughs) tell like he was not, he was like getting very frustrated where you could tell like he's feeling we are the better team. We are not executing. And it all, there was a two-point conversion when it was 12-6. Uh, to six. The second touchdown, and honestly, mind you, if anyone saw the highlights from that game, the second touchdown should have been an interception. The Trinity Christian player had it on both hands. went through his knee, Popped to the Christian guy and ran in. So, like, even that should have <laughs> been a pick. And it would have been six-to-six six in the half. But on the two-point conversion, a guy was running a post route uh, in the end zone, and Alex, like, threw it right where it was supposed to be. I'm guessing, based off what Coach Safa was saying, he runs out to the receiver, and he is just mad. He's like, you know, you have to stick it here and go. It, it just looks like what we've thought about. They're a very young team still, still uh, Lovett Christian. They have talent, but they're still learning. But ultimately, Trinity Christian, they, they couldn't hang with them. Once the Lovett Christian got going, it, it, like it was over. But it was a good game there early. It's always fun to see those those rivalries, those in-town teams. Mm-hmm. But Lovett Christian, I simultaneously think they don't look as good as last year, which it's tough. They did go to the state championship. At the same time, they did beat a rival 36-6 to without looking very good doing it, which you have to be fairly encouraged. Like, hey, we didn't play well, and we still dominated the scoreboard. Like, there's something to be said for that. Um, so it was overall a fun game, and I was, I'm was, i very curious to see. I don't think I left that game with many answers about Lubbock Christian like I was hoping. Yeah. Um, but we do still know they have – there is a ceiling there. There is a certain ceiling um, that I'm, I'm not sure if they will reach, but I know – Um, just based on how I've watched them and just seeing coach softly, I think he feels the same way. There is a ceiling. There is some potential that this team can get to if they can cut out the mistakes, but they're still fairly young. We'll see if they do that. But overall, uh, fairly impressed with what they did. Trinity has potential just like they did last year, but talking to coach splitter, watching those games, they just, it feels like they can't quite get over that hump of like, they'll make some good plays. They don't cap it. They, they're getting close, but they can't quite string it all together.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something definitely to look out for because when you look at – just hearing you talk about it, when you look at what happened last year, it was that rushing attack again that just seemed like, you know, they were able to do so many things. Last year it was um, Justin Franco, and this year it looked like it was – oh, I just lost my thing. Um, Well, Davis Rees has been big for him, but then Marcus Ramon Edwards coming in there. Uh, Carlos Silva, editor at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, had – Covered that game, and he had Marcus Ramon Edwards with 60 yards on eight carries. Eli Reeves with five carries, 48 yards. And then Eli's older brother, Davis, like I mentioned, 21 carries for 45 yards and the touchdown. So, um like QB
2: run versus QB run is what it was. Right. <laughs> a lot of the two QBs running the ball.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, Trinity is, is definitely a running team, and I think that, you know, maybe – team's kind of figure out how to deal with that. Whereas Lubbock Christian, Alex does have – Alex Lack has the ability to throw the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Cade Landrum is obviously one of his favorite um, targets.
2: For, Cade look good. Cade looked yeah. good. Cade looked good.
1: Yeah, for obvious reasons. So I think just being able to be a little more versatile, it sounds like maybe is key for them in, in terms of getting those wins. Um, and then you factor in the fact that they, they missed last week, you know, so they weren't able to play – because Colleyville Covenant, I believe, had to cancel that game. It sounds like they're going to try to reschedule it, but I'm not sure at this point how that would even work. Um, so both teams will actually be at home this week again, which will be nice for them not having to travel so far.
2: Nice for us too.
1: So yeah, sure exactly.
2: Really
1: nice. Exactly. Everybody's in town. Everybody kind of – you know, it's easier for us to to get to or try to get to to them as much as we can. Um, Trinity Christian actually plays the other Trinity Christian, I believe that is, in Willow from Willow Park. Um, and then Lubbock – or I'm sorry, no, that's not right. Lubbock Christian plays the other Trinity Christian from Willow Park. And then Trinity Christian plays – Trinity Christian <laughs> – our Trinity Christian plays Fort Worth Temple Christian um, uh, okay. at home. So the thing is, they're all district games. They all matter. You definitely want to put your best product on the field. And, you know, I think there's going to be some natural hiccups here and there because that's just the nature of a football, but also just the nature of the season and everybody kind of trying to stay healthy, trying to stay um, on the field. And even when you do stay healthy, you're not necessarily guaranteed a game because your opponent may not be healthy, which we'll get to talking about Monterey. Um, The other game I was at, um, Friendship played San Angelo Central. And I really thought they had a good chance. Obviously, I didn't know a whole lot about San Angelo Central, but just based on um, what Friendship has shown, even in like losses to Lubbock, Cooper, and Coronado, I think I thought they had some good pieces um, that would allow them to do well in district. And they still can do well in district. They're one and one right now after that loss to San Angelo Central. But it just seemed like the offense is still working through some things for friendship. It definitely – they've definitely been struck by injuries quite a bit, you know, when you're, your starting quarterback is out. Um, and then in the game, J Smith kind of got banged up, which was someone that Coach Jay Northcutt talked about was a, a highlight against Midland High. So he was out, um, didn't come back until later and had a good run. But then right after that, they throw an interception – um, I think it was just kind of one of those things where I think it was like a, a miscommunication in the routes where the receiver didn't quite get there, but, um, one of the San Angelo defenders did and, and got the interception, which was, I think, kind of a, a big momentum kill because like I said, Ty had just had like a 41 yard run. Um, and then there at the end of half or just before halftime, they tried to go for it, which would have tied the game, um, and just couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you can always say like, okay, well, why didn't you go for the field goal or whatever? Cause field goal would have been points, but at the same time, you know, a tie is a lot better than it's, it's just a risk you, you have to take. And I think they, they lived with that. Um, but then just, there's only so much their defense can do. San Angelo just had a really good quarterback in Malachi Brown, who was very effective in using his legs and had some timely throws and, just did not work out for them in their favor, kind of a, a damper on their homecoming.
2: I agree with you also. It feels like they're another team that's like, they keep showing flashes. Like the offense will show a flash. The defense has been more consistent. I, I wouldn't say they've yeah. been flashy, but like the offense, they've shown flashes where it's like, okay, they could really I mean, let's, let's not overlook the fact that even if one of the touchdowns was late, they put up 14 on Coronado, which no one has done so far. Right. Um, and that is a really good defense.
0: They put up yes. 49
2: and 42, I believe, in two different games. Like, we've seen flashes that once things get rolling, they can be great. The problem is what separates great teams from good teams is consistency. Absolutely. And this friendship squad has no consistency. I don't Central, I do think, was better than their record. I thought that heading in. But it really felt like – once the game got going, no matter what the score was, it just felt like Central will probably win this game. Like, it just kind of felt that way through. I was like, Central's probably winning this game. And it shouldn't have felt like that. I think friendship is right there with them. And it, fe- it feels like they're a younger team than they actually are. And I know at certain spots they are. But friendship is not that youthful that you'd be worried about, um, you know, consistency and – I don't want to say effort, but consistency and playing that hard all the way throughout a game. And when we talked to Coach Northcote preseason and throughout, he's even said, like, the talent is there – we want to build on what we did last year, but it feels like they haven't elevated from last season. I'm not even going to say they've taken a step back, but it did not feel like that consistency, that hard nose part of a program that in close games can keep you close, can win a game, it doesn't feel like it's there this year like it should be with this squad, with the guys that they do have returning. Um, and I thought that game was one that – I'm not even going to say they should have beat Central. I don't think that's fair. But what I will say – <laughs> I will say they, they should have been right in it until the very end. I will say that. Like, they should have been right there. And it just felt like – I mean, I, I, you kick the field goal in my opinion. I, you can say hindsight's twenty twenty. It did not feel like they were going to score there at the end of that. Like, it, did, it just did not feel like that was going to happen. And when they didn't, Zaps, all your momentum's out the door. S- Central has the lead. They're feeling good. You, you've you yeah. given them everything. Um, and I'm not trying to question Coach Northcutt. You know, I'm, I know he knows what he's doing over there. It's just we are now – we've been talking these last few weeks, preseason and early season for these big schools. Well, now they are, what, five games in, five weeks in at least? Because, um, yeah, we're going into week six. Yeah, we're going into week six. You kind of figure out who your team is now. Once, once you're halfway through the season and it feels like Friendship is a good team, it does not feel like they're a great team. And they have a tough schedule coming up. And that is not a good combination of, hey, we have a really tough schedule and we're not a great team. Like, that, that does not feel like a great combination.
1: This is definitely uh, not an easy district when you figure that now to go up. First of all, they only have three home games this year, which I know is, you know, which I think makes the loss kind of sting a little more is because it was one of the three home games. I mm-hmm. um, hope you play better at home. And the fact that now they're going on the road to Permian, that's going to be tough.
2: I know three home games. Now granted two of the other road games were the Jones and Coronado. Yeah. But those are two really tough opponents. I mean, if you look at it, like those are the five home games. Mm-hmm. Um, they are now. zero and three in those games with two home games left.
1: Yeah, well, even if they weren't at the Jones, though, that was going to be at Lubbock Cooper. So it's still relatively yeah. close, but it's not, yeah. you know. But,
2: but if you just looked at it as these are, you know, we have two of our road games are close. So even if we pretended it's five and five, they're 0-3 in those games with two home games left. Like, that's tough. With yeah. this schedule, with not many home games, with such a weird season, I, I really believe you have to have early season momentum, especially mm-hmm. for the bigger schools because oh, of the schedules and – you know, we're starting so much later. It just feels like this doesn't feel like a year that, okay, we can kind of find our identity halfway through. Like, even though it's only week five, doesn't it just feel like it's later? Like, I know they've only played four or five years, but, like, because it's, you know, late October, Halloween's in a few days. Like, it just feels like we are late in the season, even if we're not. So, I that's why I thought yeah. hot starts were going to be really important this year.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree because you figured they only had, what, three – Three uh, preseason games. And I think that's about wait, three or four, is what they normally have. Yeah. Um, that's right. the district is bigger this year because they added Central and Abilene High. Um, both of whom, when you look at the week before this week, when um, San Angelo and Friendship played, Abilene High really took San Angelo Central to the wire and they scored a ton of points. Um, Obviously, San Angelo did get that win, but now you look at that and you think, okay. You hate to compare, but if you look at how they played, now you're looking at it and thinking, okay, well, how how can we get better to be more competitive? So when we do play Abilene High, it's a win, you know.
2: So you're, I think high school. They people always say don't compare games, and it's not always a direct correlation. But of all of the levels of football, I think high school is the most easy to directly compare fine you know, finals of games like the pro college, even maybe not as much because every game could be its own. Teams in high school a lot of times play about the same level every week, mm-hmm. so I think you can compare games, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um. Then another one kind of caught my eye this week. Roosevelt got their first loss, so history is kind of they made history, but it's it's over as far as. Uh, extending that to eight games, Abernathy got that win over them, which just in case anybody was wondering, Abernathy is still Abernathy. Um, I still think they're they're one of the top tier teams. And, and getting that win against a Roosevelt team that has played so dominantly, I think just goes to prove, prove that. Um, and just the way that they were able to play and, and kind of – keep, uh, keep Roosevelt off their, off their game. And so now, I mean, we already knew that district would be interesting, but now it makes things really, really interesting because Idaloo still undefeated. Um, Abernathy has the one loss to Idaloo, but now Roosevelt has the one loss to Abernathy and it, it doesn't get easier for them because now they've got to go on the road to Oklahoma before they come home to play Idaloo.
2: Roosevelt kind of ripped my heart out with that loss because nothing is Abernathy, but it did feel like it was going to be Roosevelt versus Idaloo for the district. And technically it's still good to be, I mean, if you know, if Roosevelt wins, they have the tiebreaker, so they do win it. But with how Idaloo handled Abernathy for Roosevelt to lose to Abernathy, I, it's a good, good win for Abernathy. It's kind of the first time you've looked at them like, Oh look, you know, they played well, they didn't allow a bunch of points, but, did, didn't you get the feeling this didn't look like Roosevelt at all? They were not yeah. allowing any points all season. I think the most they allowed was like six or seven. They allowed twenty-eight, and the offense looked completely anemic. It was—I was surprised. I will say I was genuinely surprised. And Abernathy offense that has not looked great the entire season scored twenty-eight on a defense that now that while the schedule hasn't been murderer's row, they've allowed something like twenty points in like seven games. I mean that doesn't happen. So yeah. I was a little surprised that they allowed 28 to Abernathy. I was a little surprised by that.
1: I wasn't surprised by the point total. I think I was more surprised by the the win margin. I thought it'd be a little closer oh, yeah. eight to 12. Um, but it just goes to show, I think, again, Abernathy, you there's a lot to be said for tradition and culture. And I think mm-hmm. by doing an internal hire with Justin Wiley, it kept some of that going. Um, so I wasn't – I mean, I had picked – in all honesty, I picked Roosevelt to win that game. I really thought that they had what it took to be able to do that, but I wasn't exactly surprised that Abernathy won. Um, It looked like Jess Hole had a really good game. I think he had, like, two touchdowns on the ground and one more in the air, something like that. Um, But it just, to me, it'll be interesting to see how each team responds moving forward because, like I said, Roosevelt does have to go on the road to Oklahoma, so You know, losing isn't foreign to these players, but it's not something they've done this season. Yeah. So I think it'll be important to see how they respond because they do have a really good chance of still – I mean, they're obviously going to make the playoffs, but do have a good chance of still, you know, being one of those higher seeds because if you look and you think – let's say Abernathy goes ahead and wins out. So they have Stanton next on the road and they host Coahoma. Um, Let's say Abernathy wins out. We're going to play a playoff scenario because that's the most funnest game ever. Um, Abernathy wins out, so they have the one loss in district. Let's say that Idaloo wins their game this week, so then they'll go into the game against Roosevelt with undefeated. Let's say that uh, Roosevelt goes ahead and wins out. Let's say they get the big upset over Idaloo. So now you have where – idaloo beat abernathy abernathy beat roosevelt and roosevelt beat idaloo so this like fun little circle which i wouldn't put it past any of the teams because it's 2020 unless crazier things have happened so you look at that and you you see each one has a loss to the other one and you just wonder like i don't know how they would do that do they do
2: like, well, I know it's a it, general, obviously it's head to head, which doesn't matter when everyone's beat each other. Right. Then it's your district record, which they would all have the same if they right. won out. They have one loss. I believe next is um, points scored. I could be wrong about okay. that, which if that is the case, uh, I lose going to win that because they already put right. up 42 unless Roosevelt just shuts him out. Yeah, that 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 Abernathy game is going to sink Abernathy, and it's going to elevate Idaloo. Now I know it depends on you know each levels always change. I know I know it goes head to head in the district, um, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously well, district district would be first. Then the first tiebreaker is head to head. But yes, yeah, so if they all beat each other, some do non district records, but I know most most do not do non district records because I was going to say you can't happen. do that
1: this year, because no, like, it I just. It,
2: and it just doesn't matter. Like, it's when you're talking about who should win the district, so I know some do points four, which to me makes the most sense, and Idaloo would be sitting – I mean, if you look at every one of their games, they're massive blowouts. So, mm-hmm. um, they'd be seeing good there. But yet, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm hoping for a, a crazy game between Roosevelt and Idaloo. That would be really fun. Um, but it does feel like it's Idaloo's district to lose now. I mean, it, it oh, looks yeah. like they get Roosevelt, I believe, at home. Is that correct?
1: Um, no, they're going – it'll be an a
2: Okay, well, that, that's good for Roosevelt then. But the way they played against Abernathy, and here's the thing that I noticed in those two matchups. I, I didn't notice as much abernathy Roosevelt. but I'm just going to kind of project out. Idaloo has been the most physical team every game they've played. They've been the more physical team. And generally, they're going to be. They were no doubt more physical than Abernathy, which in years past was not the case. Now, you can talk about the talent of um, Bryson Daly, but also just the toughness of that team. They were right there with Idaloo, if not more.
1: They've gone back and forth. It was just when Bryson was there, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah, So,
2: like, you know, this year, Idaloo was more aggressive. And I'm going to assume Abernathy was probably looking at their linemen versus Roosevelt's. I'm going to assume Abernathy was the more physical team.
1: Oh, absolutely. So,
2: if you then compare Idaloo's physical nature to Roosevelt's, that is not favorable to the Eagles. It is not. Um, And now – I was really hoping they'd be undefeated so you could at least have that. I'm not saying this negates the rest of the season because it doesn't. But mentally, this really sets you back. To lose a game like that, the way they lost, I don't think you go into that game thinking we're 8-1, and we can win this. You're thinking, we just lost two weeks ago to a team that this team killed. And that gets in your head.
1: Oh, you're talking about when they play Adeloo? Yes. Coming up? Yeah. Mm, I think – Under normal circumstances, that might be the case. But the fact that this is already a rivalry between the two teams. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of is enough to get the guys up and realize that, you know, if we do beat this team, there's that little funky circle of uh, one-loss teams. But that's not overlooking Coahoma either.
2: Yeah, exactly. If if they lose to Coahoma, I mean – then it, I guess Idaloo has it now. because even well, if they got upset by uh, Roosevelt, they would have the head-to-head over Abernathy. So we really need that that last matchup between Roosevelt and Idol. We really need that to mean something.
1: <laughs> right. And the thing is, Oklahoma is still the only loss they have had all season was to Idalou. So you figure Roosevelt's kind of looking at that, like that, looking at that, like, okay, you know, this is. It's like Coach Landers said. This is going to be a really tough three-game stretch. Mm-hmm. try to, you know, plan things out a little differently so where it's not so compacted, but I think in him talking about how they've really banded together and become that band of brothers, I think this will really put that to the test. Um, mm-hmm. And not to say that, oh, they're they're just totally tarnished because they lost to Abernathy, but I think it will be interesting, like I said, to see how they respond to that um, mm-hmm. because... I mean, they of course they wanted to be undefeated, but the fact is now they're not. So what are you going to do with that, knowing the caliber of team that Coahoma is and how they're going to play? So I think uh, these next two weeks will be very interesting to watch. We have a lot of interesting districts that um, have a lot going on, one of which we talked about, Estacado, getting that really gritty win over Perryton, So now they're kind of in the driver's seat a little bit. They have a good chance of still winning the district. Um they'll be at level end this year, this week, which we know how those games have gone in the past as far as those two go. Um, And then Borden County's going down to six-man action. They have a chance to win their 13th straight district championship, which is crazy when you think about what that means and all the different realignments that happen and, you know, the different families and stuff that have come up and played through those programs. I mean, it's just – Pretty remarkable and says a lot about what Coach Trey Ritchie's doing down there.
2: That would mean the current freshmen, I believe, were unborn or they were like, no, not unborn. They were like one or two years old the last time Borden County did not win one. The seniors were about five years old. Uh, But yeah, I don't know if there is a better example of culture and tradition in our area than Borden County. I mean, the standard is literally talk to Coach Ritchie preseason and then about week, what was that, three or four or something. And it's literally, championship or bust. not in a oh we want to win it is literally we win the state championship or we don't and that is it like there's i'm sure winning the district is cool for them but this is about uh as expected as it gets like we are going to win the district we're going to get to the playoffs we're going to make a run in the playoffs and we better get to the state championship and we better win it um so that i I mean what's funny is like every game they play in district you wouldn't pick against them but right it's still tough for 13 years to, like, never drop games that you shouldn't – these are still high school kids. Right. And to, like, never drop you – know, I'm sure they have a couple times. Here, but, like, enough to lose the district in 13 years, like, that is impressive. Because, I mean, look at any top program in the country. Alabama has the best talent. They haven't won 13 in a row, you know. Right. Oklahoma hasn't won 13 Big 12s in a row. Clemson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that doesn't happen because it's tough to never have a letdown. Everyone is gunning for Borden County – and they still mercy rule almost everybody. So, no, it's, they are very impressive. Um,
1: They're the Kansas it. basketball.
2: Yes. <laughs> Which is almost impossible. You don't see that. Like, that's almost impossible.
1: Right. And I think that the thing, too, so we always talk about how non-districts set you up for your district schedule um, and how even if you lose, you learn from it and kind of build off of it. So. Yeah. We talked about this before, but when you look at Borden County's non-district schedule, Westbrook is currently the number one team. Sterling City is number two. Rankin is, I believe, somewhere in the top five, if not top seven. And out of those three teams, they had the one win to Rankin, but then lost to Westbrook and Sterling City.
2: And that's why they're number three.
1: Right. Or they're number two now, actually.
2: They got up to number two. Wow, good for them.
1: It moved up. Uh, let me make sure I know what I'm talking about here. Check those rankings again. So, yeah, so, yeah, Sterling, Sterling City is number one. Borden County is number two. Westbrook is number three. They lost to Sterling City this week, and so they flip-flopped. That's well, interesting. Westbrook was one. Sterling City was two. Borden County is three. And then Rankin is number four. So, yeah, so every – The top four, Borden County has played – They beat Rankin, lost to Shilling, City Westbrook. So, and this is not to say with many programs, when you play those caliber of teams and do what you do, it's not hard to believe that they beat Whiteface 66-0 this year. No,
2: no. And there's nothing against Whiteface, but that Borden County team is something different. Let's be honest, would you be surprised at all if Borden County gets a rematch with either of those teams they lost to and beat them? I wouldn't.
1: That's kind of what uh, Coach Richie was preparing for. He mentioned that um, when I, I went out there for that game against Rankin, which is really cool, by the way, to watch them take down the number one team. But anyway, um, he said, you know, we know we're going to have to see these teams at some point down the road. It's better to see them now than to get at that point to be surprised. Now, full disclosure, Rankin was down a couple of players. One of their best players got injured, I think, in the first or second quarter. So he didn't play at all in the second half, but they saw what he did in the first quarter and they were still competitive with them, you know, so it wasn't like they Rankin was just running away with their, with their start Mm -hmm. player. Gordon County was still right there in it. Um, So I think, and that's part of what's made them so successful is that coach Richie has set them up that way. You know, he scheduled those harder games where some coaches may not want to or may not know, the level of talent of their team to be able to do that or if they would even be able to do that. But, you know, they're they're really rolling and handling those losses well, which in the college world we talked about, we call quality losses. Um, and then this week, which I'm guessing will be for the district championship, they'll still have to play Wellman Union next week. But this game will definitely put them over the top. They host O'Donnell, who is also undefeated in district right now. Um, so that game will most likely be kind of the determining factor for that district championship. Um, O'Donnell beat Morton 58-6 to 6 this past week, uh, which wasn't a district game, but I'm guessing they just wanted to fill something. And then they beat Whiteface 56-6 to 6 the week before. So, again, like we talked about, those common opponents. If you look at it and you say, okay, well, O'Donnell gave up a touchdown to Whiteface, Morton County didn't, uh, you know, you're looking, but – it will definitely be interesting.
2: And uh, O'Donnell's been fun. Like, they've been a fun team to see succeed this year.
1: Yeah.
2: But if they really want to be remembered and, and make some noise, you got to win this type of game. You know, you, <laughs> you got to win this one. And, and that is big. It's just – I'm not saying they – I mean, by no means is Borden County going to for sure win the state championship. Like, so much has to go into stuff like that. Definitely. But – it, it that is exactly right. Getting to play all three of those teams that are sandwiched right around you is mm-hmm. so big because let's let's not you know let's not lose sight of this. This wasn't just hey Borden you know Borden County is like let's go play this team to get ready. This was also those teams saying let's play Borden County exactly. so that uh, when we see them in the state you know quarter semis or whatever we're ready. It so is. I don't think uh, Sterling City is like hey we beat them if we play them again we're we're good to go. You know it I don't is, think anyone's yeah. thinking that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I believe – I should be better prepared. But I believe Sterling City and Westbrook – uh, Sterling City and Rankin are in the same region.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see. Yeah, Westbrook and Sterling City are in the same district, rather. So <laughs> that factors into things. So they'll definitely have to run into at least one of them at some point. Mm -hmm. another team that's gunning for a district championship is shallow water this week. Undefeated on the season. So they're undefeated in district as well. They host Slayton to see if they can win what would be their second district championship in three years. It's not as uh, shiny as 13 in a row, but still pretty decent when you look at the fact that, you know, all of these opponents in their district are fairly new um, Mm -hmm. and they had never played some of them before in district. um, And to be able to, To be sitting at this point, especially with all that they've kind of been through this season, they had their own bout with COVID-19 and had to take off some time. Um, A lot of their non-district opponents were people that they had never played before. So uh, they're they're sitting pretty right now. Even if they don't win, they're still going to be in the playoffs. And you'd imagine they'd still have a good run going forward.
2: And it's not like they were terrible last year. I'm not saying that. But what they were two years ago and what they are this year – What what I'm impressed by is that they, you know, two years ago, they were great. They were legitimately – I think they got to the state quarters, I want to say. They got deep in the playoffs. And then last year, they fell off, as you would expect. They lost a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. But then to one year later with a lot – we've talked about this all year with a lot of sophomores and juniors, a lot of sophomores, they bounced right back up to an undefeated – potentially undefeated regular season district championship. That's really impressive. Mm -hmm. This wasn't a, oh, they were good in 2018 – they dropped in 2019. They got back to the playoffs, you know, 2020. They started competing. And this was a quick turnaround from great to okay back to really good to great. Like, it's tough to immediately bounce back like that with young talent. Um, but Coach Wood's been doing this for a while, so that part's not surprising. But it's, it's, it's impressive what, what they've done this year.
1: Yeah, and even last year, I mean, they made it to the area round. They were 7-5. Yeah. So, like you said, they weren't bad. They were okay. Um, but just the fact that when you look at it, and yeah, Coach Woods has been coaching for a long time, but this is only his fourth year at Shallow Water. So you look at it and you figure, you know, two champion, district championships in four years, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty remarkable at this level. And that's not, I mean, you definitely don't, and I don't think they are underestimating Slayton, um, but they're definitely going to come in with that mindset of, this is the team we have to beat to have that undefeated district championship, undefeated record overall, get that number one seed, secure it, um, and empower and that toward a good run in the playoffs. Um, then the other thing, too, that I didn't realize so I was talking to Coach Wood a couple weeks ago is that Josh Easley is actually out for the season with injury. Um, but just the way that kids like, you know, Keegan Campbell and Caleb Cox and, even Bax Townsend have been able to pick up for some of that production has been a key for them. And we always talk about that uh, next man up mentality and, and you would hope that they would do that, but just the fact that they've been able to get some things rolling has been really good. And then defensively, I mean, defense wins championship as we all know um, for them to be able to, I mean, they held Kermit to seven points um, the week before that they were, they had held Denver city down, pretty long as long as they could before Mario Sanchez took over there in the second half but um, you know giving up there's only eight points to Lamisa six points to Brownfield so mm-hmm. their defense has been pretty strong in district play right now
2: that's why I don't want to sound like a broken record and I know they have some senior talent on this team but man this team in the next two years with what they are already doing now, this is where you could not to jinx them, but this is where you could really see two or three straight district titles and complete domination of the area as not only possible, but at this point almost likely because Coach Wood has already, I would say building, but in my opinion, really already built a really good um, program out there. Not that Water is bad when he got there. Obviously he already had a good program as well, right. but he has built them into a consistent force yeah, you know, to say that they were six and four in the regular season, and that's like a down year for them. It is. I mean, for that standard, it probably was going seven and five. Um, but they're already this good. It's just so exciting to see what that team will be in 2021, in 2022, uh, with the young talent they have, and who else, Who knows? That's in JV right now. That's coming up as well. You know.
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't look totally past Denver City, though. Because for all intents and purposes, yeah. they probably should have won that game a couple weeks ago.
2: Um, I agree Denver City is there. Like, Denver City is close as well. But yeah. they have more seasoned guys than Shallow Water does for the most part, and they were at home, and they still lost. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I agree they're, they're in the same ballpark. But going forward, I would still favor Shallow Water being the team to beat over Denver City.
1: In that district? In
2: that district, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say.
2: Like, that's, like Denver City's going to be – and I'm not saying it's going to be a runaway where there's beating everyone by like, 40 points. Right. But when you have more seasoned guys and you're at home and you still lose a close game, well, imagine if they were at a neutral site or shallow water. if they both had senior leaders, shallow mm. water probably wins by 20 points. <laughs> so, you know, it's – yeah, I'm not trying to look past Denver City, but I, I agree with you. Denver City was right in there. You can make the argument maybe they should have won. But like we talked about with Estacado-Perryton, at the end of the day – Someone's got to win the game. And that's what matters. <laughs> you know, it yeah. gets the job done. And I give more credit to teams that have young talent winning close games. That's tough to do. That is, I would personally, as a head coach, I don't feel comfortable with a sophomore quarterback with a game on the line with a close game. That doesn't make <laughs> me feel good. Um, and they're pulling out these games, you know, so it's, I'm very intrigued by shallow water. They've, they've got to be. Um, I, they're not a complete shock. We knew they'd be good but right. they have to be one of our teams of the year as far as if you just were to rank how good teams are in our area, they're top 10. And we definitely did not think they'd be there preseason. So uh, it's it's very fun to see what they're doing out there.
1: I think they kind of had the Estacado effect from last year and that we, we figured they would be, they, they'd be good. We knew um, that they'd have a lot coming. Well, not a lot, but they'd have enough coming back to, you know, continue that winning season, but just to see, okay, shallow water wins this week. Sure. So yep. Because this week, you know, to see all those wins come together, I mean, it One. definitely has been uh, something that the state has taking notice of. Because Dave Campbell has them ranked third, in yeah, last three at Division One. Um
2: uh, I know that's that's unbelievable, and I know they're still undefeated. They've earned it, but we'll see if they're actually the third best. I mean, it's, there's a lot of teams across, but they've definitely played well. Uh, third might be more so looking at the record. I, I you know, n- no disrespect to Colorado, they are a good team. Third does feel. I mean, if you go based off the rankings, third means they will get to the state semis. Like, that, that's what that means. So, Not necessarily.
1: You know, I mean,
2: it's, it's about matchups. It but, just
1: means right now they're the third best team. Yeah, but
2: I mean, we're only – we're in week 10. I mean, that's, that means they're going to be better than most teams they play the rest of the way. You know, have right. to go just purely based off the rankings. Uh, and I, I am very excited to see them in the playoffs. They are a team that's – it's very fun to see. But I, I remember shooting week one when football was, you know, by the grace of God back – they beat Abernathy and we didn't know how Abernathy was, but even in hindsight, even with Abernathy looking not as good this year, Mm -hmm. they dominated that game and Abernathy is not bad. They are not a bad team. So the way they beat Abernathy, who believe is a, yeah, they're a classification uh, bigger, right? They're three, a division two, they're D two. They are just them flipped the way they beat Abernathy. That's impressive. Like, I, you know, especially when I was like, who's this backs guy? Like I'd never heard of him I was like, who's the, who's their quarterback out here? Uh, and they had two quarterbacks in that game. That was more of an early season thing when they had the yeah. two quarterbacks set. Um, and Abernathy, no disrespect. They had no chance. I mean, water was winning that game. I mean, it, it was completely dominated by Shallowater. It was 14, nothing like that. Um, and they never looked back. So it's, it is, they are one of the more intriguing teams. Could they go to the state championship? Could they get to the semis? Maybe. Could they lose in the second or third round? Maybe, because they are still young. It's, so I'm very interested to see. I think there's a very wide range of what Shallow Water could do. Like Post, Post isn't losing in the first or second round. Um, Roosevelt isn't going to the state championship. Like, I, I feel like most teams, you have a, a rough estimate of what you think the team is. Shallow Water, I really don't know. And that's good and bad. I, I don't know if they can make a run at the state championship or the state semis. I really don't know that. Um, mm-hmm. But I also I don't know how they'll look once we get to playoff games. Um, I, you know, it's, and maybe a team has more experience in the playoffs and you have a young team and maybe these sophomores don't look as good in a playoff scenario as they do in a regular season. You know, when, when they're kind of playing with house money, I don't know, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It will definitely be fun to kind of watch them. Um, but like I said, you can't overlook this, this game against Slayton. I actually Uh chance to talk to Slayton coach Lawrence Johnson today. Um, just about that game and different things, and um, I think he's got he's got Slayton on a, a good path. Yep. Obviously, they've had some hiccups during the season just because of you know COVID nineteen. They actually had two different bouts with dealing with positive cases, so they had to put some things down. Thankfully, they have their district schedule wasn't messed up, but they did allow for um, that one. One week, which would be next week, but none of the teams have had to reschedule. So they'll have that open week before district play starts. That's another district, or excuse me, before playoff start. That's another district that's really interesting right now in terms of their playoff situation because Slayton is two and two, Brownfield is one and three, um, and then Lemouse is right there at two and one, two and two, something like that. So It'll this week will definitely, depending on what happens and how crazy it gets, can really mess up some teams where you could have oh, yeah. potentially Lamisa Brownfield and Slayton all with two and three records, but then you have where, let's say Brownfield beats Lamisa, then you have Brownfield beat Lamisa, who beat Slayton, who beat Brownfield. Another, another
2: circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what's so interesting was. That's what we talked about earlier in the year. Did not think Lamisa would get that, that win over Slayton. So that really puts them into the conversation. Yeah, I was
1: surprised about that.
2: I'm they, they, now Lamisa's in the conversation, but Brownfield, we talked about Brownfield, Slayton. It was like, whoever wins this game is going to have the inside track. Now mm-hmm. Lamisa throws a wrench at that, but if, if there was no Lamisa, if Lamisa had lost to Slayton, they'd be out. Slayton would basically have it locked up over Brownfield because they have the tiebreaker mm-hmm. over him. So, right. But now Lamisa does bring in a bit of a rage, but Brownfield, it's going to be tough sledding for Brownfield to get in. It's going to be tough. It's not impossible, um, but it's going to be really tough for them to get in there. They're going to have to win out and probably hope – I guess Slayton would have to lose to Shallow Water, which is likely, but Brownfield would probably also have to win. It, it, it. Of the three teams, as crazy as this sounds, when you look at recent history between Brownfield, Slayton, and Lamisa, it sounds like Brownfield probably has the toughest track to get in, as crazy as that sounds.
1: Well, yeah, because they have to play Misa this week.
2: Um... Lemisa looks – a lot better than they have in recent years. Say that.
1: Well, yeah, dropping down a classification also helped. Um, and I think it'd be cool because I think they haven't been in the playoffs since like 2007. It's been a while. They're pretty much right now, they're, they've are they secured it. They're going to definitely go to the postseason. It just depends on if they're going to be three seed or four seed um, because I don't think Denver City is going to lose to Kermit, who is winless right now. Crazy things have happened because it's 2020. But I just don't see that happening.
2: I know Lamisa. Are they in for sure?
1: I guess they are. So right I mean, now if they're
2: they losing the,
1: the shallow water. They're in, right? Yeah, they're third. Well, they're third right now. Lamisa is. But um, if
2: they were to if they were to lose this week, Slayton win. Slayton would jump them, right? Because I think they have the same record right now.
1: I'm short about that. Shoot. Okay, so if Lamisa beats Brownfield... Then they're, they've secured the number three seed because they blo- Yeah, they
2: they would secure the. But if they lose, yeah. they would have if, two wins. If Slayton beat Shallowwater, they jump them with their third. Right. Yeah. 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 So like that, but like the odds are, let's just go with Slayton's losing to Water. Just go with that odd. Mm-hmm. Then I believe, regardless of what Lamisa does, they're in because they have the tiebreaker over Slayton. So they're in as the three seed, and then that comes mm-hmm. down to Slayton. See a Brownfield man. They need they need Shallowwater to beat Slayton, which is likely. Then they have to beat Lamisa. But they'd still have to have Slayton to lose another game because head-to-head, they would have two wins. Slayton would have two wins, and Slayton has the tiebreaker. This so, is the last
1: game of the season, so it really depends on Brownfield.
2: And I guess Brownfield's out.
1: If they can – so if they can beat La it'll put every all those three at two and three right now. Uh,
2: that's true, yes. If they yeah. – yes, that's true. I was, I was giving Lamisa the win. That's right. So if they can beat La maybe some tiebreaker gets them in because we don't know what the tiebreakers are. but. Right. That's a tough task. That is a tough task for Brownfield.
1: Yeah. And then, of course, if they lose, then it'll stay Lamisa and then Slayton. Um, yeah. so really, the ball is in Brownfield's court. That's really who it's down to because even no matter what happens, Slayton, win or lose, they're going to be in. Yeah. Lamesa, if they win, they're going to be in. But if Brownfield wins – now you, Assuming there's
2: no crazy tiebreaker of the three where Slayton's out. Assuming this, you know yeah. Slayton doesn't get
1: left out. Right. So it would have really helped if Slayton got that win over Lamisa last week, which Coach Johnson talked about. It's just the guys kind of finding that consistency and the coaching staffs finding that consistency as well um, in terms of just that production. So, yeah. uh, but I mean, it is what it is. They lost that one. You got to kind of move forward and see where you can. Um, improve, it does help that they beat Brownfield. So now they're kind of at ease a little bit, but it's, it's like the coaching cliche goes, you don't want to leave your fate into another team's hands. Okay. You know, want to try to control what you can control and be in the driver's seat. And obviously shallow water's done that yeah. Um Even Denver city to only have the one loss to um, shallow water, which I believe will stand. Um, uh, they're guaranteed pretty much the second place. So,
2: but even Lamisa too. Like I, I you know, like Lamisa to beat Slayton if they beat Brownfield. I mean that's we haven't seen that kind of success from them in recent years. They you know they go in and beat both of those teams and they don't have a tiebreaker for third. Like they, it's just they're taking it. That's impressive. You know it's you like to see it. That's why I knew Slayton Brownfield. This is gonna for sure affect seating. Might yeah. and it looks like it's going to affect who gets in.
1: I would argue this is probably this district is probably the most it ha, it doesn't have as much black and white. There are a lot more gray areas in this district. Maybe yeah. be some of our other districts where you're kind of like mm, maybe yeah. you know, or okay this is like like a post like you know post is going to be at the top, you know new deal is going to be number 2, you know, you know sundown's going to be number 3. It's just that fourth place is kind of iffy. Um even so for some of the bigger ones like 358, Division one, you know Cooper and Wright are going to be one and two, two and one, somewhere in there. And then those third and fourth spots are kind of up for grabs. This one, you you kind of wonder okay, is it going to be shallow water? Is it going to be Denver City? Obviously, now it's shallow water. And then the third and fourth seats, you wonder okay, who's it going to be? Um, so I think that just kind of adds to the fun of it, honestly. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It gets more of our area teams competing for playoff spots. That's what you want in week 10 and 11.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it'll be – it's come down to this. This will be it for our smaller schools. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see who kind of can pull that out. Like I said, I'll be at Shalala this week to see if they can win that district championship outright, if they'll share with Denver City, if Slayton can get the win, if Slayton loses. Very interesting indeed. Um, Other games kind of looking at, Monterey has their third or fourth straight Thursday night game they host Amara High um Estacado will be at Leveland see what they can do Borden County hosts O'Donnell another week of lots of football action lots of games we'll be watching to see where everybody goes but it's just a, a really different uncharted territory because we're watching to see how things end while at the same time just beginning so uh it's 2020,
2: Ryan. <laughs> we're rolling with the punches at this point. It's not, the craziness is kind of start to felt normal. It's very frustrating, but it's shocking when there's a week where there's no cancellations or something in the schedule doesn't get messed up. Where you're like, and I right. think this last week, it wasn't a great, you know, a lot of our teams were on by and that kind of stuff, but no one got, like, canceled last second. So that was nice. Yeah. Um, but kind of just getting used to that. But hey, we've gotten this far. Um, and for the smaller schools, they only have two weeks left. And then is it six playoff weeks i believe so even if someone were to win a state championship or play for one we only got eight weeks left and we're nine down so we have passed the halfway point for the smaller schools which is honestly pretty crazy
1: we'll be grinding through it all and if you've listened this far please stay tuned i'll be talking to slayton coach lawrence johnson and thank you for listening to another edition of the lone star varsity podcast And we're back with the second segment of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm joined by Slayton coach Lawrence Johnson, coach's first year at Slayton, and what a year it's been. How is that just with everything going on, adjusting to, you know, moving to a new place? Well, semi-new because you've been there before, but yes, the pandemic
0: world. Uh, it's, it's been a, an overwhelming experience uh, for sure. I mean, uh, the, the community's great. Everything's good on the school side of things. Uh, the, the covid is uh is what brings the crazy and and the unnormal things it you know it, it breaks routines um it breaks structure but uh it definitely uh is has helped us you know just be able to respond to different types of adversity
1: you guys definitely got hit a couple times we talked about that and just being able to deal with that um, but it seems like you've kind of passed that now nothing knock on wood in a quite a while what was that like just working through that and then your first game after that
0: was post well it was it was a challenge in its own I mean just not being able to see your kids you know not being able to to have the the physical workouts um, the 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 coaching you know the the game planning the scheming all of that was was tough to do you know on on a zoom or a Google meet and then uh, we had to play post I mean they're a, a great ranked team, a very physical team. But I felt like our kids needed to to go out and face that adversity and, and just face a good team, you know, to help us, you know, for a hopeful postseason run.
1: And how much did you feel like that, even not even just on the field, but just those intangibles and leadership and maturity, how much do you feel like having to go through that, mature your team and got them ready for this point in the season?
0: I, I think it, it it helped our team realize that they had coaches that supported them and that that wanted to – to just create that identity that you know we're not afraid to play anybody. You know, yes, they got a ranking, and just like water has got a ranking coming. You know, we play them on Friday. You know, just just for us not to be fearful of, of any opponent, because at the end of the day, I mean, they're they're teenagers just like our kids are, and so you know you have to you have to show up on Friday nights and play the game to determine the outcome.
1: Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, obviously coming in, this will be a big game uh, for a couple of reasons. Like you mentioned, Shell are being ranked, but also this will, you know, even boost you guys more into the playoffs. What's the, I guess just the mindset coming into this game, or is there, you feel like there's a sense of urgency in the
0: guys? There, there's a sense of urgency in everything we do. I mean, that's something we practice. It's something we coach. And, and it's it's something that we want our kids to to take ownership in, you know, just going into this week, I mean, we're obviously having to make some adjustments, I mean, with the weather, things like that. Those are obviously different opponents that you have to face in right. preparation uh, for a team like Shallow Water. I mean, we we don't have the the indoor facilities so, or anything like that. So we're going to have to grind it out and uh, put some cold gear on and and see if we can safely be outside today just to practice and prepare for those guys. But, I mean, our kids are, you know, we've talked to them about it over the weekend. Um we, we, we just have a mindset that we're just going to go grind and then, you know, we understand we'll make mistakes. But it, it's, it's all about our response to those mistakes and, and how we play the next play, you know, play the, the, the next obstacle that's in our way, you know. So um, our kids are ready for it, you know. And We don't look at wins and losses on the scoreboard. Uh, we look at wins and losses as how, how we're responding to life situations. And football is just a tool to help our kids be successful in life.
1: And coming in, um, you know, you've obviously seen what Water's done to some other opponents. What do you feel like just watching film makes them such a difficult team to play against?
0: Uh, man, one thing, discipline. Well, I guess a few things. Discipline's a big one, and, and they're physical. You know, they they do what they're supposed to do. They line up where they're supposed to line up, and they just execute well. You know, they execute at a high level. I mean, but they're like, you know, a lot of other teams. I mean, they've shown some tendencies you know, they've turned the ball over and they've made some, some opponents actually earn it, you know, so they, they faced some adversity, you know, with ball security and things like that. But at the end of the day, they, they executed when it, when it was, you know, the, the most crucial time of the game.
1: And for you guys too, you know, I guess, where do you just see your team right now? Because, you know, you beat Brownfield, so that was good. Then you lose to the That kind of put you in a, you know, must win situation, but, for, what, what do you feel like the, the strength of this team or what kind of makes this team go?
0: Well, we, we talked about, you know, just we've got a lot of seniors. I mean, we're, we're, we're senior heavy, but we're not always senior led. And so that's, that's one thing that we, we talked about this weekend when we met. I mean, um, the character of this team is, is at an all-time high because when we lose games, our kids still show up on Saturdays for film for and for weights. And so that, that's a testament to, to our kids and our coaching staff. You know, our kids come up and they know that film's not going to be good, but they they come face it. You know, they're ready to be assessed and and see what they did well and see what they need to improve on. And so that's a testament to our kids and their maturity and, and wanting to to be better. So it's just it's just another test out in front of us. I mean, we we treat this game like it, it's it's a must win for us because we need to 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 put our best foot forward and make the game close in the fourth quarter.
1: I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, um, but who do you just see leading the charge in that effort, or being, you know, the first one in the weight room, or kind of getting the guys going during those moments of adversity? Uh, we, we've
0: got a we've got a pretty good linebacker core, and we got some linemen. I mean, it's a collective effort. Uh, Tate Thompson's one of one of our more vocal leaders. Uh, Kobe Lopez, he's like our silent assassin. He does everything right, but but you know he'll check you if if he needs to, you know. But we've got we've got some seniors that aren't afraid to to ruffle feathers per se, you know, but uh, we definitely could use more of our seniors since it's, it's the majority of our team this year um, to step up in that leadership role.
1: Speaking of, I guess, just on the field, when you look at um, the stats, it looks like, at least from since I've been here, it looks like uh, you guys are passing more, obviously a new system there with you. Uh, Just, I guess, how would you describe your offensive scheme or, or what you like to do as far as throwing passing because I mean Zephron's still you know a threat they're uh, running the ball but it seems like Aiden is able to have some success and Matt a vigil they're catching uh
0: well we we, we want to to be versatile we want to we want to have some misdirection stuff we want to let the quarterback take more control with some some zone read stuff some Rpo type stuff um, but at the end of the day we want to get the ball into our playmakers hands um, it all starts up front you know our offensive line is you know they're 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 constantly clicking, and, you know, but sometimes there's some inconsistencies there. I mean, much like any, any, any other part of, of our team, I mean, there, there hasn't been enough consistency all across the board. I mean, because the results of us clicking on, on every cylinder of the game is, is a result in us winning, you know. And if you look at our losses, well, we, we had too many, too many let-ups, you know, and that's a direct reflection of, of coaches, you know, us not getting our kids ready for those situations, or not really emphasizing, you know, the, how big that situation could have been and, and how we could have prepared our kids even better for it.
1: Speaking of you, do you have that loss to Lamisa last week? Is that – you feel like that's what kind of happened
0: there too? Well, LaMesa, the, that triple option offense is – it's tough. It's it's assignment-based football. And and I was concerned about it because we don't – that's the only team that runs it in our district. You know, the, the last time we've seen this was our, our first scrimmage against Roosevelt. And so they run a version of it, um, but they just executed better than we did. You know It seemed like they 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 wanted it more than we did. I mean and, and it showed on the on the field, you know, but our kids, you know we have to respond. so that was the challenge when we watched the film, you know is that we have to respond to this and and let it just spiral us into the playoffs. So you know it, it could be a crazy turnout with our district. I mean it, we, we need to take care of us though, and not rely on anybody else to help us get into the playoffs. Right,
1: and what will be the key? I guess to just, you know, because like you said, it's definitely an underdog situation. But what will be the key to just getting that momentum going and and hoping to, you know, be consistent and make a game on Friday.
0: Well, it would help if you know we we come out and we play four quarters of football. You know, we we've yet to 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 play four quarters consistently. You know, we've we we've played a good solid three quarters. We played two and a half quarters, um, but it, it seems like we we always kick ourselves in the foot you know, when it comes to extending drives or getting off the field on third downs, you know, winning third downs on defense. So um, again, it's, it's a direct reflection of, of coaches and, and kids coming together and taking some ownership on the execution side. And
1: even though, like we mentioned, you had been in Slayton before, this is your first year as a head coach. And so, you know, we talked about how this year has been for the kids and dealing with COVID, but, for you being put in this situation, you know, it, it just seems like, I mean, trial by fire a little bit and there's nothing really that I guess will surprise you now. How has this year been for you in adjusting to a head coaching role?
0: Well, just when I started coaching early on, I mean, I had a, a no surprise rule, you know, because you, you depend on, on certain things to happen. And then something else happens, you know, you get you know a curveball thrown at you. Um, but the 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 best thing about this situation in Slayton for me has been the familiarity with, with the kids, with uh, with the community. But um the 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 best thing about um this situation is our staff. You know, we maintained everybody on staff, and so our kids already have that trust for the, the current the staff that's in place. And so they um they make it easy on the tough days to to reassure me, like hey coach, we're we're, we're, we're doing right by kids, you know, first and foremost. You know, we're not using kids to win football games. Uh, we care more about their academics, you know, and we're holding them more accountable there. You know, so like I said previously, you know, our, our wins and losses don't always show on the scoreboard. You know, we're trying to help kids graduate high school and have options. So, um, but our staff is, is, is awesome, um, and, and they, they, they help me a ton. You know, and, I, and I, I try to thank them all the time and let them know that they're valued, that they've got a voice. Um, and so the, the staff is one of the, the big key factors in, in helping us get through this, you know, this adversity together.
1: I feel like as coaches, coaches talk a lot about, you know, the the intangibles and the off-the-field things. But for you, how do you feel like that translates in terms of, like you mentioned, making sure the academics are right, um, how that translates into success in all areas,
0: well, the biggest thing, like one of our, you know, we've got core values every day, uh, trust, tough, discipline, brotherhood, and compete. Um, we do a character lesson every day. I mean, regardless of how busy we are, how crunched we are for time, we, 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 we tell the kids that's the best part of your day is that, is that two, three-minute character lesson that comes from a different uh, voice of a coach. And so we try to implement those into everything that we do. Uh, we got tutorials every week, you know, and, and and we show we show the kids some love if they if they're not taking care of their tutorial stuff, you know, because we're not going to use kids to, to to win football games. I mean, their their academic um, future is is what will 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 determine what they do after high school, and so we we have a big emphasis in that, and so and our coaches buy into it. Our our kids are are seeing that, yeah, coach does care about my grades because we we set that standard at a seventy six. You know, we've been we've been questioned as, hey, why is it a seventy six? Well, I want kids to have options. I mean, you know, if they want to go to college, they've got that option. They want to go to work, they've got that option. Military, they've got that option. But they've got choices, you know, and they're not just forced into to one one area or the other. You know, they can they can have a choice in, in their future. So it's um it, it's been awesome. I mean, Slayton's got we've got kids can can be certified welders. They can get their apprentice certificate. They can um, plumbing. I mean. Um, a registered nurse um, um, but I mean they've got all our nursing programs big here. I mean we've got different types of programs you know our band just got all ones on Saturday. I mean we've got extracurriculars I mean we've got a lot of um, programs that our kids can success, you know can, can excel in to be yeah. successful.
1: Yeah, definitely always a good thing when you can have that that well-roundedness for kids
0: yes, absolutely.
1: Thank you so much, Coach Johnson. We'll definitely be looking forward to that game on Friday.
0: All right. Thank you, Alexis. Appreciate you.
1: And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast.